If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for being with us, everyone. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. I hope you had a sensational weekend. We're back in action today. Mark Brunovich will be joining us, the Attorney General of Arizona, who wants to be the next governor of Arizona. Certainly, first step would be getting the nomination. Uh, And uh, he'll be joining us live. Also, he's going to be talking about the border and and possibly joining this lawsuit against GoFundMe. Do you hear what they did? Uh, It turns out people who want to support those truckers in Canada, in Ottawa, that have stood up because they were against the vaccine mandate and want their freedoms back, they raised $10 million on a GoFundMe page. You know what happened? GoFundMe says, oh, there's violence uh, in some of these situations, so we are keeping the money. And then they said, you can't keep the money. They said, we're sending all the money back. Have you ever heard anything like this? They allowed the CHOP money. Remember the CHOP zone where a guy died? Maybe two. Died in the chop zone, this lawless area. They raised millions of dollars. Black Lives Matter, raised 90. They still have 60 left. 30's gone. There's no leader. Black Lives Matter being investigated right now. They have no problem with that. The George Floyd riots, the supportive people of the George Floyd riots, people who were uh, bailed out after rioting and burning down cities. No problem with that, but they got a problem with this. Even GoFundMe has gotten political. We'll see if he's going to join that lawsuit. Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. All anybody's talking about this weekend is this resolution rather than talking about the failures of the Biden administration. People are tired of hearing about the 2020 election from Donald Trump and from some who support him. And what they want to hear about is what are the Republican solutions for 2022 Pure politics. January 6th, you just heard Governor Christie referring to it because Republicans brought it up. Gerrymandering, what it all means for 2022. The horrible, uh, illogical, really immoral gerrymandering that's taken place in New York. They could lose up to four seats now. Where else is that happening? This is Eric Holder's brainchild as the GOP does its best to ruin a strong hand by focusing on 2020. Something has to give. We'll discuss. Number two. We're seeing a massive military buildup. This is unlike anything I've seen since the American 2003 buildup before it launched the war in Iraq. Really dire intelligence assessments coming out. If there was a war, there could be 50,000 Ukrainians killed. Richard Angle reporting from the border of Ukraine and Russia. Ukraine, Russia, China, and the worst Olympic Games ever in Beijing. We will discuss all the drama and the drumbeats of war. Number one. But we know who COVID kills. 75% of COVID deaths are people 65 and older. 98 to 99% are unvaccinated. Doesn't it make more sense to focus on helping the vulnerable stay safe and let the rest of us go back to living normal lives? And And behind him was a map highlighting... Scotland, England, Spain, Lithuania, uh, Ireland, 
and we know there's other countries that have all said goodbye restrictions, live your life. 70% of Americans want to do the exact same thing. Time for an outright revolt. More politicians who call uh, uh, who call to massively mask up our kids caught doing the absolute opposite in front of us all. Stacey Abrams, Eric Adams, Congressman Bowman, right in New York, masked up teens and masked up toddlers while they sit there with their masks off. The mandates and restrictions just have to recede. This is the week it's done. I mean, New Jersey, they're dropping it. You can't see another two-year-old or another second grader with a mask on and pretend it's not hurting them. You know what it is? It's a signal to shut up. That's what it is. And when people like Bill Moore pointed out, it means so much more than if other people have been calling for the same thing like me for the last year and a half do the same thing. Dr. Scott Gottlieb medically faced the nation. He knows the problem. He brought it forward. The problem is if you want us to pay attention, if it gets bad again, you better loosen up when it gets good again, like now. Cut for I think what governors are agitating for is some clear guideposts that define what the on and off ramp is for this. When do we start to roll back this mitigation? And we don't have a agreed upon set of nomenclature and metrics for measuring that. If you look at CDC right now, many state authorities and public health authorities talk about 10 cases per 100,000 people per day being a metric that rates you being in sort of a low level of spread. If you look at CDC's guidance, they talk about 10 cases per 100,000 people per week. So that's 1.44 cases a day. That's a level of spread a sufficiently low level of spread that we've never been at at any point in this pandemic. And that's where CDC defines a low level of spread that would justify removing masks, for example, in schools. And so I think what governors are sensing is that we need to to agree upon a set of metrics when we're going to start to roll back these mitigation steps uh, and give people a light at the end of the tunnel. What is that point when this stuff gets turned off? So I'll give you an example, some quotes from unlikely sources. Quote, people are exhausted in the pandemic after roughly two years. And health advocates want the pandemic rules uh, and uh, want it changed, and they know these rules can't last forever. Quote, we cannot remain in a perpetual state of emergency, says Leanne Wen, a public health official at GW. People burn out. No kidding. Another quote, this from Jeremy Faust, professor of Harvard at Harvard Medical School. If we don't take off the ramps, don't take the off ramps, nobody will listen when we need them to get on the on ramp. Great philosophy, put briefly and succinctly. It's happening in other countries. You know the risks. You know if you have diabetes. You know if you're overweight. You know if you smoke. You know you've had a lung removed. You know if you have cancer. You know if you have leukemia. You know if you're vaccinated or not. If you believe the stats, you're better off being vaccinated than not. You can make your own decisions. You don't look for me or Scott Gottlieb, Anthony Fauci, Joe Biden, or Donald Trump. You told us this two years ago. It would be two weeks. It's been over two years. Bill Maher opened up his show and just knocked it out of the park. Cut one. Contrary to popular lore, COVID is not Russian roulette. Of course, any virus, anything, can kill anyone at any time. But we know who COVID kills. 75% of COVID deaths are people 65 and older. 98 to 99% are unvaccinated. 78% who've died or been hospitalized were overweight. If you're obese and unvaccinated or 85 and still crowd surfing at music festivals, (laughs) yes, this will likely go badly for you. But at some point, that has to stop being my responsibility. Doesn't it make more sense to focus on helping the vulnerable stay safe and let the rest of us go back to living normal lives? 
But what, what really gets me is the people making these decisions are so in your face. They told everyone in Britain, you lock down and you don't go to the bars and you don't go to work. Right? You can't go to bars, can't go to work anyway, can't go to restaurants, can't go to games. I want I want those stands empty. And then it turns out that Boris Yeltsin, Boris Yeltsin, Boris Johnson had 16 parties. Then he said, I didn't attend any of them. Some of the staffers might have brought their own beer. And there's pictures of them coming out today. What do I care about British politics? I care because a lot of times we were taking our lead from them because they were they were usually a month or two ahead of us. So when they lock down, I'm thinking to myself, we're locking down. Meanwhile, they're partying. Why is he locking down so ruthlessly? Because he was not suffering at all. And then we watched the mayor of London, excuse, uh, London Breed, mayor of San Francisco, the mayor of uh, uh, Los Angeles, and the governor of Los Angeles, uh, the governor of California at the NFC Championship game with no masks. Well, they told everyone at the stands, you better mask. And at the Super Bowl, everyone's got to wear an N95, I think. Stacey Abrams wants to be governor, still doesn't admit she lost the 2018 election. Tweeted this out, spending time with Glenwood's amazing students, faculty, and staff. Franks is spectacular, delightful, and outstanding. Thank you for having me. What was in the picture? I know we're not a visual medium unless you're watching on Fox Nation stream. But there's a picture of her sitting on the ground with what look to be second graders. They're all wearing masks. She's not. Brian Kemp had a field day. Stacey Abrams wants state governments, mass mandates for Georgians and their children. But it looks like they wouldn't apply when she's attending a photo op. That kind of hypocrisy exactly why Georgians see her campaign for governor for what it truly is, a quest for more power. They've produced same thing. They're running for the Republican nomination. Jamal Bowman, this guy's a socialist, uh, congressman, Democrat, New York City. He's making sure that they enforce mass mandates even outside. And there it shows a picture of Bowman with New Rochelle High School students. Guess what? January 31st. Arms around them. They're all wearing masks. He's not wearing masks. Eric Adams caught maskless days after doubling down on the mask mandates for schools. Uh, the photos of, of Adams in, Bronx's, uh, in the Bronx by Little Italy on Instagram. Not realizing how ridiculous he looks with people with masks while he doesn't. So I'm, I am so fed up with this. I'm beyond fed up. And then to see uh, docile Canada have them take over Ottawa and basically say with their trucks, and then everyone came out for demanding freedom to go to restaurants, to go to gyms, to get back to their lives, and have Justin Trudeau pretend as if he's got COVID-19. I'm sure he doesn't. Hiding out in some other location, call them fringe groups, and then have GoFundMe page bring their, uh, bring, uh, uh, take their $10 million away from their effort. Meanwhile, they're arresting people who are bringing gas to the truckers who have ringed Ottawa. They're thinking about bringing the army in. Give them their freedom. Listen to their people. They're not asking for favors or money. They're asking for their lives back that you had no business taking away. Maybe you feel differently. What I want to do is give you choice. That's all. Give you choice. 1-866-408-7669. And if you're a parent, I'm going to put you first. I like to know the effect on your kids. Maybe your kids like it, like a new lunchbox. Look at my great mask. I don't know any kid that does, and hopefully they'll never get used to it because I don't want to live in a society in a country where kids wear masks just because they might be getting a cold or they might get the flu. Uh, when we come back, your calls, one 408 Then Mark Brenovich, and I expand on what's happening overseas, and I tell you why it matters here at home. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad you're here. 
politics, current events, and news that affects you. Brian's got a lot more to say. Stay with Brian Kilmeade. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie, formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services, marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now, you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you. It's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, they've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. Information you want, truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. I had no right to overturn the election. The presidency belongs to the American people and the American people alone. And frankly, there is no idea more un-American than the notion that any one person could choose the American president. Under the Constitution, I had no right to change the outcome of our election. And that was a little of the speech from Mike Pence on Friday that rocked everybody's world on the Republican side because he said Donald Trump was wrong. He said Donald Trump was wrong to think that I could change the election. And we know what the riots that took place after. And we know Chris Christie came out and said Donald Trump started. I don't think he started. He wanted to send a message by sending his people over. I don't think he would ever. You're ever going to find out that he wanted to breach the perimeter. Whether he should have spoke sooner or not, let it go ahead. I don't think this investigation is uh, is worthy of the 9-11 style that we're used to, which was nonpartisan and pretty effective. And a book came out of it, uh, which is still a handbook on what needs to be done. A lot of the stuff we did do to, to save us uh, from being the target of another terrorist attack. But it's so significant that Mike Pence came out against Donald Trump. And many people think that he's running for president, even if Trump runs again. I'd be shocked. But if Mike Pence is as loyal to Donald Trump as anyone on the planet, as loyal as any member of his family, for him to say that, it's really because Donald Trump left him no choice. He basically said Mike Pence let everybody down and Mike Pence should be investigated. So what do you want him to do? Uh, And I thought the rest of his speech was very complimentary towards the president. But allowed to happen, and Ronna McDaniel made a big mistake here. She brought up that it was a political, it was a normal political discourse January 6th, giving Democrats something to talk about because it looks like she was being dismissive about the uh, danger that day. They were saying, chanting, hang Mike Pence. No one disputes that. A lot of people were in danger. Nobody disputes that. Michael Waltz told me he broke the leg off a chair, took some older uh, lawmakers, put them in an office, and was ready to fight for him. That's a Green Beret guy. So if he didn't see danger, Mike Waltz is really a fan of Donald Trump and a big conservative. That's the mood if you're in the building. So like it or not, you can soft pedal it. I'm not going to soft pedal it. 
If it wasn't for January 6th and Donald Trump just kept his powder dry, welcomed Joe Biden to the White House to say, I got real problems with that election. I got real problems with the pandemic uh, exceptions that we put together in, in Pennsylvania, in Wisconsin, in Arizona. And uh, but uh, Biden's here's a, the White House. He'd be at 58 percent approval right now because all of his policies and all of his instincts are better than all the policies and all the instincts of Joe Biden. And believe me, he would be winning over minorities and he'd be certainly winning over Hispanic votes. Marty listening in, on WDBO in Orlando. Hey, Marty. Hey, uh, when it comes to the uh, RNC resolution and the January 6th protesters, I don't think that resolution is about what those protesters did. It's about who we are. We're a nation that's a rule of law. We have laws and that, that require speedy trial and discovery. And a lot of those guys are sitting in jail for what are basically misdemeanor charges. They haven't had a chance to bond Some out. Some of them. Yeah, absolutely. Their but there's that the, so, But that's Marty, that's not are. how you say it. Marty, if you wanted to disseminate, just say there's a lot of people here that were out of control and they were they really were threatening people. And we've seen that video and there's no way you can soft pedal it. Others have been wrongly arrested without being charged. And that's got to stop and list their names. And that's a huge difference that I think people would really be able to get behind. But instead, they're allowed to round it off and talking generally about it, allowing Democrats to get off the hook all weekend and all the Sunday shows. But if they did something wrong, they need to be tried and convicted, not placed on hold. But it's time for the to put up or shut up. We're coming up on a year. Absolutely. Uh, but not all of them. I mean, some of them have been charged. And the ones that are just sitting there in the hole right now while smashing grabs are happening across the country, while nobody ever got charged for Minneapolis, Wisconsin, New York, uh, Chicago, Philadelphia for all the damage they did, you're right. But that's a big difference from uh, how it's uh, Ronna McDaniel characterized it. Joe was on WRCN on Long Island. Hey, Joe. Hey, Brian. Good morning. Listen, about the mask, this is child abuse, and it's it criminal is. what they're doing now to these kids. My wife went to the third grade chorus the other night. These kids had to sing with a mask on. Are you kidding? Uh, my son ran track last year outside, senior in high school, with a mask on, out outside the track. Then I take him up to force vaccination. He couldn't go to Suffolk Community College. I took him to the orientation. They said, oh, he needs to be vaccinated. This poor kid wanted to move on with his life. He has to be. He doesn't want. He, he works out. He does wrestling. He does football. He's a workout nut. He's in shape, like you don't believe. This is China. What they're doing to us. These kids don't see each other's faces. My baby, the two-year-old, walks to the door with the jacket and the mask to see her, kid, her, her brothers and sisters off the school. She. That's all they know is masks. People need to see each other's faces. Hey, listen, Joe. I can't. I can't argue with your passion. I can't argue with your premise. I can't argue with the facts. You're 100% right. Steve Hilton uh, said that pretty clearly, too, uh, throughout his show. He said it last night. Cut eight. If they thought their stupid rules actually saved lives, they wouldn't have constantly broken them. Newsome at the French Laundry, Pelosi at the hair salon, London Breed at the nightclub feeling the spirit, rubbing it in our faces at the football game last weekend. And now, Stacey Abrams in the classroom. They know their rules are a joke. Steve, I hear you, and you've been all over this too. Steve Hilton has been very strong on this. Uh, two weeks to slow the spread. It's been two plus years. Uh, we know about the variants. Two hit us. They predicted it. Uh, and if you actually want to get people on the same page, you set up the criteria, you set up the numbers, and then it becomes compulsory maybe. And then we debate on the fact that cloth masks don't work. And if you have a pre-existing condition or you're just really paranoid or an overprotective mom, 
Put your, put your kid in an N95 mask and then deal with it. But don't put every kid in it because you're worried about it. And I actually don't blame the parent. They've been conditioned to act this way. Brian Kilmeade Show, A.G. Brenovich, next. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. From his mouth to to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. It is theft on the part of GoFundMe. Let me say the Canadian truckers are heroes. They are patriots and they are marching for your freedom and for my freedom. They are those truck drivers that God bless them. They're defending Canada, but they're defending America as well. That is that is courage on display that the government doesn't have the right to force you to comply to their arbitrary mandates. And they're standing up for freedom. And of course, big government hates it and is trying to crush them. And, of course, that is uh, Ted Cruz. The astonishing story that GoFundMe has frozen the $10 million given out by the American and Canadian people, I imagine, or people around the country that want to support those truckers who had uh, boycotted and put their trucks in rings around Ottawa because they want freedom for their families, for themselves, and to make a decision when it comes to the vaccine. And this guy, uh, Justin Trudeau, what an embarrassment he is to any free society— is hiding out, calling them a fringe group. So GoFundMe gets $10 million. First they said they're keeping it. Now they said they're going to give it back. Other organizations have moved forward. Now they're being sued. Will Attorney General Mark Brenovich join that lawsuit? Um, uh, Attorney General Brenovich, welcome. Uh, Thank you, Brian, for having me on. Will you join that lawsuit? Uh, Well, actually, we have our own uh, investigation beginning on this because it is absolutely unconscionable anytime you get these private entities or especially government entities trying to uh, violate the law, confiscate and undermine people's property rights. And so, you know, once again, based on what we hear, and this is, you know, part of, you know, being a good litigator is getting into the bottom, trying to get the facts, the evidence. But it looks like that GoFundMe essentially tried to confiscate more than a million dollars of this money that was meant for the freedom truckers. And they basically were going to systematically redistribute it to their favorite charities. And it kind of reminded me of what we're seeing. And like when Google, when we sued Google and when Google got sued, the the plaintiff's lawyers make a bunch of money, and then Google gives a bunch of money to their favorite, you know, tech causes or people that are supporting them, and the consumers are the ones that ultimately are left hand- handing the bag because these big corporations, these, especially these tech companies, they think they know what's best, and they all lean left, and they're all manipulating and taking advantage of us. So, yeah, I mean, heck, you know, Brian, I've got multiple lawsuits against the Biden administration on everything from the border to the unconstitutional vaccine mandates, which, you know, we were very successful on. And, heck, I'd love to sue the Canadians as well if we can. Now, let's talk about something else that matters more to you. You are arguing at the U.S. Supreme Court to defund the public charge rule, which the Biden administration abandoned last year, which says basically if you come across our border, you don't have – if you're just going to be costing us food stamps, uh, if you have to tap into unemployment or things like that, you're not going to get a green card. 
Yeah, the the public charge rule simply is a requirement, and it's been around on the statutes, on the books in the United States for more than 100 years. It is the bedrock of the entire U.S. immigration system. It's basically the principle that new arrivals must be financially self-sufficient if they want to gain admission or status such as a green card or a path to citizenship. So if a, if a migrant, and then what the Trump administration did is they basically said, look, they interpreted that rule and issued formal rules that said if a migrant is unable to support themselves, that is if they are on welfare or government benefits for more than one year of their first three years here, they couldn't you know, become a U.S. citizen, they couldn't stay in the country. And so it's really a common sense rule because, you know, I, I'm a first generation American. There's nothing inherently wrong when people, it's a good thing that people want to come to this country. But this is the land, it's a land of immigrants. It's not the land of the welfare state, Brian. And what the left has done, what the Biden administration did in rescind, rescinding this rule contrary to the law was basically create an incentive, create these economic incentives where people could basically come here and be entitled to all sorts of government benefits. And that essentially strains an already overburdened public assistance program. And I think it's unconscionable. And I know you get this. I mean, the fact that we've got homeless vets, the fact that we have mental health issues in this country that aren't being addressed, and yet we're going to go ahead and encourage people to enter the country illegally or people that do enter the country, we're essentially going to open up you know, all the government benefits and, uh, to them. And once again, I think that incentivizes people to come here for the wrong reason. And ultimately, this is the land of the free, not the land of the welfare state. So when you talk about what's happening at the borders, could Governor Ducey be doing more? Well, I think we should all, we could always be doing more. I mean, first, you know, part of our lawsuits against the Biden administration, you know, we sued him over building the wall, the Remain in Mexico policy, obviously the interim and the permanent guidance, where the Biden administration essentially is saying they're not going to enforce U.S. law. So there are things that we are trying to do. I'm trying to do in the courtroom. But, yeah, I think absolutely that um, there are things that we should be doing more of. Um, we should be more aggressive when it comes to going after the cartels and trying to stop them, you know, from, you know, wreaking the havoc, havoc along the border. I mean, it's not fair that Arizona and Texas have to be doing this because, quite frankly, when it comes to national security and border security, that is when the federal government's kind of at its apex of power. But but the reality is, is that, you know, the cartels, um, the gangs, they've, they've seized essentially operational control of our southern border. And as a result of that, you know, Brian, we are seeing a record amount of drugs, fentanyl flow in this country. Um, you know, I know I was a gang prosecutor and a federal prosecutor for years. And I'll tell you, what I've seen, just what I've seen in the last year, because I signed the state wiretaps because we're, you know, doing criminal cases against, you know, this gang activity. But the price, for example, of a fentanyl pill has fallen from about, in a year, from about $20 a pill to now about, you know, $5 a pill. I mean, so we're seeing these dramatic decrease in prices of fentanyl and methamphetamine, and it breaks my heart as a parent to think that, my goodness, you know, the price of milk's going up, the price of everything, you know, gas, you name the item, and the only flipping thing that's declining in price are illegal drugs, and that's because the Biden administration has seized the control of our southern borders to the, to the cartels, and so this is not just an Arizona problem, a Texas problem, this is a national problem, because those drugs do right. not stay in, in, in Arizona. But I hear more about Texas, and they and they've actually empowered their National Guard. And there's some problems with that. But are you guys doing that? 
Well, I think we, we could be doing more. We definitely could be doing more. I mean, part of the challenge sometimes Arizona faces is that a lot of our land along the border is either federal or tribal land. And so, you know, for example, there, there are areas, there's gaps in the wall where it is absolutely incumbent on the federal government to do more. But without a doubt, I mean, I think we can and we should be doing more because essentially the cartels and the gangs, what right. they are doing, I think, you know, essentially is they've, they've seized operational control in military terms of our southern border. We see that with the violence. We see that with the dramatic increase in the tens of thousands of gotaways. And, you know, what worries me as, as a prosecutor is that, you know, what they're doing is you'll have these groups of migrants come over. They're essentially just, you know, I've been to the border many times. The Border Patrol just essentially lets them, you know, go across. And, you know, there, was, there were those of us that worried that the Biden administration was going to abolish ICE, but they've now essentially just abolished the entire southern border. So Border Patrol is working on those individuals, processing those individuals. And meanwhile, the cartels and people maybe on the terror watch list, people with criminal records, but people that do not want to be apprehended then are coming across the border. A lot of times younger males in that 18 to 30 year age range wearing camouflage or black, you know, wearing you know, carpet on their feet so they can't be detected. And they're, you know, who knows what they're doing, but those, there's tens of thousands of those gotaways, people that are trying to do everything they can to avoid detection. So yeah, we definitely need, I think, um, you know, we need to have other states working with us to deploy more, not only National Guard resources, but law enforcement resources to basically help plug those holes in the gap and to make sure that we are aggressively stopping people from entering the country. And when people do come in and Border Patrol is, you know, processing people, we would have the, you know, whether it's the Guard or, you know, law enforcement authorities working to go after those gotaways and apprehend people using criminal law, apprehend those people. So it's, it's one of those things where, you know, obviously the states, because of Supreme Court precedent, you know, we can't enforce immigration laws, but we can do things when it comes to criminal law. And I think you're starting to see Texas is trying to do that, even using their, their criminal trespass laws. And so, yeah, I think we definitely need to be more aggressive and uh, dedicate more resources. But once again, it's not fair that Arizona, or especially Texas, you know, has to spend so much time and resources and financially commit to doing this because this is truly a national security problem, and it's a problem, especially the cartels, that's going to impact every state. Well, so, how do you feel about uh, the uh, the scrutiny that Arizona's getting on the election law? You know the president firmly believes he won Arizona. Do you believe he won Arizona in 2020? Well, I, I, we have actually an ongoing investigation. The Senate sent an audit to us. We supported the Senate's right to do the audit. But, uh, you know, I, I've said this to people before that no prosecutor worth their salt will is going to comment before an investigation is complete. But they already did a um, recount, right, Attorney General? Yeah, there was there was a, there was a recount done, but there were some people that questioned some of the, the methods and, and what happened. And so we're kind of going through all that. But let me just tell you this, Brian. This is the bottom line. No one did more for election integrity last cycle than I did. I literally, the case Brnovich v. DNC, I personally argued at the U.S. Supreme Court. It's not named after the Senate. It's not named after anyone else. It's named after me because I took on the DNC, and I defended Arizona's law that limits ballot harvesting and limits right. out of precinct voting. And so – I think that there was a lot of chaos you saw in Pennsylvania, for example, when you had 
different counties extending curing periods and doing all sorts of stuff that, you know, at the end of the day, we actually were involved in litigation to stop that from happening in Arizona. So we were very aggressive. I, I tried to do everything I could, even when our county recorder tried to send out mail-in ballots to everyone where they request them or not. But I think that we all know um, people have opinions on 2020. As I said, we still have an investigation going on. But the bottom line is we should all be focusing right now on what can we do to preserve the integrity and confidence. People right. have to have confidence in the results. You know this, Brian. So but, what Mr. Do do Attorney General, you, you're running for governor, right? Running for the U.S. Senate. You're running for U.S. Senate. So yes. right Mark now you Kelly. have Mark Kelly and you have yeah. Senator uh, Senator Cinema. So, I I look at Cinema and Mansion. They basically saved the country, and not because I mean when you see what they were going to pass and what uh, they're blowing up the filibuster, Republicans were in charge and dramatically would have ripped it right. And then it would have been ripped left. I mean the country never would have found his equilibrium again. And I firmly believe we need 60 votes in the Senate. Do you believe that Senator Cinema is on the right side of things? And one, I'm wondering what you think. Where do you think Mark Kelly is on this? We don't see him at all. Yeah. Well, th- this is the thing, Brian. Let me. I I don't like politics. I had never run for office before I ran for AG, and I'm very proud of the fact that in 2018, even though I was outspent, I got more votes than Cinema or McSally, you know, in a higher profile race. And that's because I'm a principled Arizona, and I grew up here. I understand Arizona values. And the reality is someone like Mark Kelly, I don't think he gets it, whether it's on the Second Amendment. Um, you know, I've been in the forefront of defending our Second Amendment rights in court, whether it's election integrity. And, of course, the Democrats have moved so far left. I mean, at one point, Senator Sinema self-described. She described herself as a socialist 15 years ago, and now she's too moderate for the Democratic Party. And it just shows you when you have someone like Mark Kelly, Cartel Kelly, who cares more about appeasing Chuck Schumer and Joe Biden than he does about protecting Arizona. You know, that ain't going to fly here. I mean, people that grew up here, people that have moved here, people understand we have that great Western tradition where we believe in law and order. And, you know, we believe in a light regulatory touch, a light tax touch. But we want our constitutional rights defended. And so Mark Kelly is completely out of touch. And that's why I'm running, because I, you know, I grew up here, and you know, I, my kids are here, and I just want to make sure we leave this a better place. And I think it is scary, because you've seen this to the left, whether it's nationalizing the elections, socializing the economy, or essentially you know, eliminating our southern border. I mean, they are all about anarchy, chaos, yeah. and bringing AOC and Chuck Schumer's you know, neo-Marxist vision to the United States of America. And, you know, as someone whose family, you know, lived under communism and lived through World War II, I just think that's crazy. And I think that we have this key moment in history, Brian, to do something. We have to do something now or else it's going to be like Ronald Reagan used to say that I don't want to look back, you know, 25 or 50 years from now and have my kids ask me, what did you do to save our Republican form of government? I'm doing everything I can to fight for it. Well, I'll tell you what, if the Republicans are going to take back the Senate, they need that seat. So uh, there's Absolutely. a lot of pressure. Whoever gets to the nomination, you'll probably have a lot of Republican support. Uh, Mark Brenovich, Attorney General of Arizona, thanks so much. Thank you, Brian. Thanks for having me on. Go get him. one 408 7669 When we come back, I'll take your calls. And I uh, also want to find out, too, we, uh, pure politics, the, the gerrymandering that's taking place in New York. If that doesn't warrant a lawsuit, I don't know what does. Don't move. Expanding your knowledge base. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. What we're doing to kids is unnecessary and horrible, and I don't even like kids. (laughs) But making kids who have a COVID survivability rate of 99.98%, 
mask up like bandits? Unfortunately, the thing that's getting stolen is their education, their sanity, and their social skills. No doubt about it. Uh, it was a monologue worthy of cutting up, and Eric did uh, today. So Bill Maher just saying exactly what we've been saying basically over the last year and a half, but especially now. You know, when the variant starts hitting, people start saying, well, it's mild symptoms. I'm vaccinated. I'm not being hospitalized, but it's definitely spreading. And then when people go, okay, I got spread, that means if I have it, even if my nose is running, I'm out five days. So clearly the economy was affected. People's lives were affected. Business was affected. But Omicron has fallen just like it did in South Africa and the U.K. and Israel off a cliff. Literally, these cases are going down in 49 states. Hospitalizations uh, down 28 percent. Cases are down 60 percent. So you got to get out of this. They're just not letting these mandates go. They're not letting the masks go. They're not letting people get back to work. And Bill Maher is among the people willing to be canceled to say this. Cut three. A study this week from a professor at Johns Hopkins concluded that the lockdowns we all suffered through had little impact in reducing COVID deaths. Okay, that's kind of a big one to get wrong. Last July, President Biden said, you're not going to get COVID if you have these vaccinations. Well, I already knew that was wrong then, and now we all do. The former director of the CDC, Robert Redfield, believes COVID originated in a lab. And now our intelligence agencies agree it might have. But for months on social media, it was banned to even discuss it. Has Joe Rogan been saying that? Absolutely. Have we been saying that? Yes. Now I'm noticing, even on the early morning show on CNN before Jake Tapper's show, they were saying, oh, these numbers are going down. There was a Johns Hopkins report. You know the Hopkins report that was out last week? They were like, on Sunday, they go, we might want to visit this because Monmouth did a poll. 70% of the American people say enough with the restrictions. We have to live with this virus. It's never thoroughly going away. How do you as a politician not see that? But in the medicine, medical world, they're still flabbergasted now that they've been drugged into the, the political world. And Johns Hopkins also did a study that natural immunity is good, if not better, than the vaccine. Cut five. We've got a small group of doctors making all the decisions in the United States. My sources tell me there's been a number of recent meetings among these like-minded doctors. Dr. Fauci and others, politically charged, aligned, think similarly. They've shut out other opinions. They've tried to talk about, should we end this and come out like the U.K. has? They decided against it. They've asked, should we recognize natural immunity? Their own experts were divided, and so they said, no, we should not have that level of concentration of power deciding what is reasonable information and what's not. When the data came out on boosters, Dr. Fauci said this was, quote-unquote, dramatic data. It came out of Israel. When the data out of Israel came out on natural immunity, not a word. Didn't even talk about it. This is the cherry-picking of science that we're seeing nowadays. And it's that Marty McCary. I should have introduced him. My bad. Dr. Marty McCary, you recognize his voice by now. From Johns Hopkins. So he's not leading and saying, I think. He's saying this is what the data shows. That's what has me enraged. What about you? Hey, uh, go to BrianKilmead.com. You can order Thomas Jefferson, the Tripoli Pirates, or President of Freedom Fighter. From the Fox News Radio studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach, it's Brian Kilmeade. 
Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. We're coming to you from New York City. Crime ravaged. Uh, heard around the country, heard around the world. Dan Henniger at the bottom of the hour, Wall Street Journal deputy editor, editorial page, and opinion columnist. Uh, he is weighing in now on why we need to end this, all the restrictions and the pandemic right now. There's going to be another variant, more than likely, and the way the tradition has it, the way the science tells us, is that it might be easier to spread, but it's going to be uh, less dangerous than anything else. We have to get back to our lives. This whole shutting down thing, leave that uh, for New Zealand, not for us. Leave it for China, not for us. He's going to weigh in on that. And Michael Goodwin on the wake-up call that we all need, the country all needs, that we got last week in New York City. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. All anybody's talking about this weekend is this resolution rather than talking about the failures of the Biden administration. People are tired of hearing about the 2020 election from Donald Trump and from some who support him. And what they want to hear about is what are the Republican solutions for 2022? Yeah, no kidding. Uh, bad move. Uh, pure politics. January 6th, gerrymandering. What it all means for 2022 as the GOP does its best to ruin a strong hand by focusing, as you just heard, on 2020. Something has to give. Number two. We're seeing a massive military buildup. This is unlike anything I've seen since the American 2003 buildup before it launched the war in Iraq. Really dire intelligence assessments coming out. If there was a war, there could be 50,000 Ukrainians killed. Yeah, uh, pretty significant. Richard Engel on the border of Ukraine and Russia. Ukraine, Russia, China, and the worst Olympic Games ever in Beijing. We will discuss all the drama and drumbeats of war. Number one. But we know who COVID kills. 75% of COVID deaths are people 65 and older. 98 to 99% are unvaccinated. Doesn't it make more sense to focus on helping the vulnerable stay safe and let the rest of us go back to living normal lives? Yes, and the crowd roars. Time for an outright revolt. More politicians who call to massively mask up our kids, caught doing the exact opposite in front of us all. From mayors to Stacey Abrams to Mayor Adams here in New York, the Congressman Bowman here in New York. The science says get them off. They smile while we are muzzled. That's the politicians, of course, with cases and hospitalizations cratering. The mandates and restrictions just uh, continue to recede by the day. Michael Goodwin joins us now. Michael, first off, before we talk about crime in this city, and there's a lot to talk about, this is really getting out of hand. It's infuriating to see people like Stacey Abrams' pictures with second graders. They're in masks, and she isn't. Jamal Bowman in New Rochelle with high school students. They're in masks, and he isn't. And Eric Adams in Little Italy in the Bronx. Everybody in masks, and he isn't. I mean, when is this going to stop? Well, Brian, uh, good morning. And you're right. It's it's the hypocrisy is uh, unbearable at this point. Uh, if people really, I mean, and let's just think about what the hypocrisy is telling us. On one hand, these people are preaching the necessity of masks, that masks keep you safe, they keep the other people safe. But when they don't practice it, then doesn't that tell us they don't believe it? Yeah. I mean, it's the same with all these, uh, the, the Gulfstream crowd that talks about uh, global warming. If they really believed that flying that Gulfstream was going to contribute to global warming and maybe kill millions of people and kill the earth, would they still do it? No. 
you'd have to believe they'd be they'd be murderous to do it. So they just don't believe in it. And that's what I the same I draw the same lesson from the mass. These people don't really believe what they're telling us to do. They don't believe it's important. They don't believe it's true what they're saying. So by all means, let's at least come to an agreement on masks. I mean, if if they are that vital, then you must wear them, and if you don't, you will be penalized. I mean, that's what they're doing to other people, whether it's uh, ostracizing the kids who come to school without them, uh, not letting people into uh, venues, uh, not letting you fly without a mask. I mean, on and on and on it goes, and yet the political class somehow doesn't abide by these rules. So therefore, they must not believe them. And if they don't believe them, please stop preaching them and please stop enforcing them for everybody else. Because people, it's not just a matter of inconvenience. You're actually retarding the growth of, uh, the growth of kids. Uh, you are stopping them from learning their ABCs. You're stopping them from interacting. You're getting them depressed. You have the parents paranoid. You know the other issue is going to be, and I can understand it, some parents are so worried they're going to have trouble taking the mask off the kids because they feel as though this could be their last day if they do it. So that'll be the other thing. But I'd rather be in that situation where parents have a choice than right now where parents are ostracized or like these Washington State high school kids. They, these kids are just say, we're going to school without masks, hundreds of them. And they got all thrown out of school. They say, we're going to try it every day until you give in because they have had it. They're becoming young adults and they want to say in their lives, they, they've... They see the damage being done, and they're not sheep. But I want to uh, segue to what's happened here in New York. You believe we got a wake-up call in New York City, and do you believe that anything will change here? Well, Brian, look, I think the, the murder of the two police officers was a defining moment uh, because— uh, as of now, seven police officers in New York City have been shot so far this year. Seven, two of them fatally. And I think the outpouring of law enforcement, the public, I think this, this murder of these two fine young officers shook the city to its core. I think it, it crystallizes the sense that things have gone off the rails. It, it's, it's basically that if the cops aren't safe, nobody is safe. If the, if the bad guys don't fear the cops, if they feel like they, they, they're safe enough to, to kill the cops, then, then the rest of us really should be afraid uh, because there's no limit. And that's always the test. I mean, is the public fearful? And if you talk to any New Yorker now, they are afraid of the subways. They are afraid of walking on the streets. They are afraid of random gunshots. They are afraid of getting mugged. I mean, this fear, maybe it's, maybe it's beyond what's real, but it is, it is something that the political class must address because it, the city can't continue like this. You, you still have most uh, office workers have not come back. You still have subway ridership way below what it was. The economy is still clearly just limping along, a lot of closures still, empty storefronts. And so if you're going to get the city back, you've got to have people feeling safe. 
And I think nothing has made that underscored that point more than the than the murder of these two police officers. But you also so, point out the DA has changed some of that that horrific memo that he put out. Basically, I'm not charging for any crime if you're caught with a gun and a stick up. You don't shoot the gun. We're not going to prosecute if you have a knife. It's no bit. It's not a felony. He's walking some of that back already. Does that make you think that he's getting the message? Look, I. I, I, I not certain how far he will go. Alvin Bragg, the Manhattan DA, who was just elected, and uh, but he did, as you say, write a new memo uh, reversing some of the most egregious policies of his first memo, his day one memo, where he famously said, you know, I was elected to, uh, you know, not put anybody in jail as much as possible. I mean, that's his goal is to keep people out of jail. Um, and so, yes, I, I do believe this is a sign. It's a small sign. But, Brian, I think we have to, to understand what has happened here. I think, it, to me, it is the fact that one of the America's two main political parties was taken over by people who believe that the cops are the bad guys and the criminals are the victims. That is... That is what animated Alvin Bragg. It's what animated uh, the defund the police movement. And, yes, I know not every Democrat supported defund the police movement. But most of those who didn't support it didn't object to it either. And so it became the identifying mark of the Democratic Party, defund the police. Joe Biden didn't call for defund the police, but he said there is systemic racism in law enforcement. That was his contribution to the insanity. And he has not gone down that road of condemning the violence in strong ways that would signal to the party, look, we're against looting. We're against uh, arson, even in the name of Black Lives Matter. We're not going to use an event as an excuse to loot and burn and rob. But that's what the party has done. It has either been silent on yep. this big issue. And now, so finally, Joe Biden came to New York, met with Mayor Eric Adams, who was leading a, a plan of attack on crime in New York. And Biden wanted to be seen with a with a Democrat who's pushing anti-crime measures. So in the hopes it would rub off on him, Biden said before he came, I don't believe in the polls, blah, blah, blah. You know, he is reading the polls when he comes to New York to be seen with Eric Adams to talk about law enforcement. He's reading the polls. He sees what we all see. The Democratic Party has been tarred with this brush that it is anti-police and pro-criminal. So Alvin Bragg got a piece of that memo, too. He's now changing his tune on some of the most egregious things. But there's a long, long way to go. So I want you to hear what Mike Pence said Friday, Cut 24. I had no right to overturn the election. The presidency belongs to the American people and the American people alone. And frankly, there is no idea more un-American than the notion that any one person could choose the American president. Under the Constitution, I had no right to change the outcome of our election. And he said he started out saying Donald Trump is wrong. So that's significant. It allowed the whole dialogue over the weekend and through the, uh, all the political shows to be about Republicans when it's the Democrats that are reeling, suffering and sucking wind in the polls. So I don't blame Mike Pence for speaking out. The president, former president, called for an investigation of him. He could not have changed anything and he shouldn't have changed anything. 
So what is your take on where the Republicans are at right now? I think anytime they're talking about 2020, they're losing. But can anyone get through to Donald Trump that that is a, indeed a fact? I agree with you, Brian, that uh, the backwards looking is uh, the most uh, unappealing part of the Republican Party right now. Uh, I think you've got to deal the, play the hand you're dealt. And the hand the Republicans have been dealt right now is a very good hand on the Biden presidency. And to the extent that we're talking about 2020 and, you know, which, of course, is what the Democrats want the Republicans to do. That's why they formed this commission. They want to keep Donald Trump in the headlines. They want to be able to investigate and prosecute and Ultimately, uh, they fear him, which is why they're doing it. But I think he is he is giving them the rope uh, by continually talking about it, by fighting with Pence. Look, a lot of people will agree with him. Every time I write about it and talk about it, I hear from those people. And they'll recite the list of suspicious things that we all saw and heard and, and learned about, uh, you know, on the night of November of 2020 in the election, you know, the bags of ballots appearing after the counters went home, all of these things. And look, I don't want to say there was no egregious cheating because I don't know either way. But I do accept the result that it's over and we have to move on. Uh, You know, I watch sports a lot, as, as you do. And when you see a bad call from an umpire or official, you know how much it burns up the players and the coaches but they have to move on it's over you know that that call might have cost you the game but the game's over and i think that's the way the republicans need to that's look called at 2020 life. right Here, here's what mark short said his chief the chief of staff for mike pence i meet the press yesterday got 25 I think, unfortunately, the president had uh, many bad advisors who were basically snake oil salesmen, giving him uh, really random and novel ideas as to what the vice president could do. But our office, you know, researched that and recognized that was never. Are you chucking? The- so I, he, that's pretty. It's pretty uh, notice, notable that he's calling the president's advisors snake oil salesmen, and they were. They were crazies by the president Trump in those last days. Yes. I mean, there have been some interesting things written. I've talked to people about some of those events that happened. I mean, Sidney Powell coming in with these extreme ideas that she was going to be a special counsel of some sort that would give her almost police powers within the Justice Department. I mean, it was it was a total breakdown. Now, now Trump did not agree with some of those things to his credit, but but I I agree uh, that he needs to focus on the future if he intends to win and run and win again. And I think he very much plans to run. I mean, there I don't know that he's a hundred percent there, but I think he's very close to that. But I think that he will be shocked at some point that the public, despite the distrust and dislike of Joe Biden and Democrats, the public will not support him. I mean, the the, the winning majority will not support him as long as he continues to talk about 2020 in ways that th- there's nowhere to go with it. It's there a dead end. I know. It's so frustrating um, because there's so many good things that he did. Uh, that he keeps focusing on this, it diminishes it uh, and puts people like Adam Kinzinger and Liz Cheney front and center and to represent the Republican Party with most well, of the other. Well, i quickly, Brian, if he makes it a litmus test 
for support, then that will be fatal to his campaign. Michael Goodwin, thanks so much. New York Post columnist, Fox News contributor. You can follow him at mgoodwin underscore nypost. Thanks, Michael. My pleasure, Brian. Thank you. 1-866-408-7669. When we come back, I'll take your calls. Then Dan Henninger of the Wall Street Journal. We'll talk about ending this pandemic now. And also, I'll bring you the latest on Ukraine and why I believe uh, that it is not a done deal that they are going in to that country. I'm talking about the Russians. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Diving deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmeade. A radio show like no other, it's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Let's go right to the phones. Ann, you're listening over in Peconic, New York. Hey, Ann. Hello, how are you? Good, what's on your mind? Um, I have children in the school system, and um, we received a notice a week or so ago that said if your children are unvaccinated, they will still have to be quarantined if they're exposed to a positive child in school, per the CDC recommendations they're going by. But yet, if you're unvaccinated, um, if fully vaccinated, you do not have to be quarantined at all. And then I went to the Board of Ed meeting with this letter and with the CDC, rec- the CDC information that came out right. that says point blank, CDC expects that anyone with Omicron infection can spread the virus to others, even if they are vaccinated. So I informed them that I will um, have to have no choice if they try to quarantine my children to file a DASA form, a Dignity for All Students Act, against them and the administration. So this is discrimination and harassment that our children are now getting on top of mask wearing against their own rules of DASA. It's nuts. Uh, and it's so aggravating. Uh, hopefully this, this lunacy will be in our rearview mirror soon. Logan listening on Fox Nation or watching on Fox Nation. Actually, Logan, hold that thought. When we come back, I'll be joined by Dan Henniger of the Wall Street Journal. Then I'm going to come back to Logan watching on Fox Nation. By the way, you can get our stream anytime. Another reason to get it, you get to see a live show as well as all the other great stuff like What Made America Great on there. I have a look at Ellis Island and what it was like when immigration was done the right way. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. Contrary to popular lore, COVID is not Russian roulette. Of course, any virus, anything, can kill anyone at any time. But we know who COVID kills. 75% of COVID deaths are people 65 and older. 98 to 99% are unvaccinated. 78% who've died or been hospitalized were overweight. If you're obese and unvaccinated, or 85 and still crowd surfing at music festivals, (laughs) yes, this will likely go badly for you. But at some point, that has to stop being my responsibility. Doesn't it make more sense to focus on helping the vulnerable stay safe and let the rest of us go back to living normal lives? Well, we've been saying this for a while, but when you have the the way left saying it, and then they're trying to cancel them because of it, then you know things are out of control. But I hope coming our direction. Dan Henniger wrote about it in the Wall Street Journal, deputy editor there, editorial page and opinion columnist. Um, Dan, welcome back. Don't you think it's noteworthy that Bill Maher has been saying this for the last few weeks? It is noteworthy, uh, for sure. They have, uh, you know, the the pressure from 
living with COVID for two years, uh, as I wrote this past week, has simply overwhelmed people. And I think the Omicron virus had a lot to do with that, Brian. It was the fact that, you know, after Delta, people thought they were emerging from the COVID experience. Then Omicron appeared. And the thing about Omicron was that while it was uh, not as damaging as the Delta was, uh, much less damage from it, uh, the transmission rate, the infectiousness was extraordinary. A lot of people were, quote, unquote, testing positive. And I think what that did was revert a lot of thinking, especially among public officials, to something resembling that which existed early in the pandemic, early in 2020, in March and April. It's as though we didn't have the severe lockdowns that we had, but all the talk about testing came back and masking and social distancing. And in, in the event, the masking uh, and the testing sort of collapsed into a heap of confusion. And people threw up their arms and said, I just can't go forward anymore dealing with trying to uh, think about COVID all the time. And I think that was reflected in uh, Bill Maher's comments. Uh, everyone, left and right, has decided enough is enough. Well, Johns Hopkins does a study, nobody covers it, that says all the lockdown shutdowns did almost no benefit. Johns Hopkins does a study and says natural immunity, from what they've done, what they've noticed, is as good if not better than the vaccine. Nobody reports it. Dr. Martin McCary says this is what, and he's with Hopkins, he said this, cut five. So we've got a small group of doctors making all the decisions in the United States. My sources tell me there's been a number of recent meetings among these like-minded doctors, Dr. Fauci and others, politically charged, aligned, think similarly. They've shut out other opinions. They've tried to talk about, should we end this and come out like the UK has? They decided against it. They've asked, should we recognize natural immunity? Their own experts were divided. And so they said, no, we should not have that level of concentration of power deciding what is reasonable information and what's not. When the data came out on boosters, Dr. Fauci said this was, quote unquote, dramatic data it came out of Israel. When the data out of Israel came out on natural immunity not a word didn't even talk about it this is the cherry picking of science that we're seeing nowadays and he's not lying i mean this is a doctor that just flabbergasted that no one else is going by the science when it goes against anything this is lockdown shutdown or get vaccinated you write in your column anthony fauci thank you for your career of service but you should accept you should joe biden should accept his retirement correct Absolutely correct, uh, Brian. And that's what I suggested that uh, Joe Biden say in his State of the Union, March 1st, uh, announce. I think the only way it's going to stop entirely, I think, is if there is an official announcement that we have emerged from this phase of the pandemic and it is time for people to get back to normal life. That's what's happened in the United Kingdom, Denmark, Sweden and Norway and it can happen in the United States if the president will make an official announcement that uh, it is time for us to return to normal, to return to normal lives. It's already happening around the states. Just in the past 24 hours, uh, Governor Phil Murphy in uh, New Jersey said there will be no more mask mandates for the schools. Democratic Governor Tom Wolf in Pennsylvania has done the same thing. Republicans Greg Abbott in Texas, Ron DeSantis in Florida as well. So the mandates are collapsing 
uh, all around us, Brian. And I think it is simply left for the president of the United States himself to step forward and say it's time to move on. We no longer need mandates for masking, testing, and indeed vaccinations. The question is, will he have the courage to step up and do that? Well, yeah. I mean, he has to. Uh, does he understand that 70 percent of the public says we have to live with the virus, knowing you have to same time say that I'm going to react to what's happening now. I'm going to talk about the vaccine really not doing much to stop this version of the virus. Uh, talk about the therapeutics. Admit that you did not order enough ahead of time. Admit that you didn't emphasize that because the people around you only care about vaccines. And then once that comes out, that's what you do. And you have to learn to move on and live with it. And most of all, you have to urge all these middle schoolers, preschoolers, primary school students, teachers, this is the rule. No more masks. If you have an underlying conditions, if sadly you're battling leukemia, N95s, that protects you. The other masks, totally ineffective. And we're going to start manufacturing them at home. Massive move to manufacture at home. That's what's got to accompany this. If he wanted to be a leader and not be president of AOC's fan club. Well, the question is, does he want to uh, score points with AOC's fan club or score points with the American people? You know, simply as a political proposition, it makes sense for Joe Biden to uh, ring down the curtain on the pandemic. His polling numbers are in a free fall across the board. The American people are losing faith in this president. It's a good question whether uh, the free fall can be stopped at this point. But I'm convinced that if he were to make this announcement, he would help himself politically. Of course. The White House must surely understand they've got to get COVID off the table. It's eroding all around them. People are simply turning against the authorities on COVID. And it is just something this White House, I would assume, understands they have to get behind them. And I know we're, we're speaking the same language, Dan, but I just have to mention it. Between Stacey Abrams, Mayor London Breed, Mayor uh, Garcetti, between the governor of California, Newsom, uh, between Congressman Bowman and of, I mentioned Stacey Abrams, all caught without a mask around kids of all different ages with masks. They're at a stadium demanding people wear masks. They're in boxes not wearing masks. So they know this doesn't work. They enjoy the power and the suppression or else they wouldn't be caught that way. Not only are they being idiotic, but making it apparent they're they're flying in the face of the oppressive things they're putting in our face. They know it doesn't work at their core or else they'd be doing their self-preservation mode. The other thing that needs to be looked at is early on when we started trying to find out where this came from to know what we're dealing with, there seemed to have been a movement judged by a Freedom of Information Act request on emails among the higher-up Collins and Fauci to make sure we made sure that the word out to the rest of the world was this came from nature, not the Wuhan lab. Mike Gallagher is poised, if they can get back the majority in the House, to start investigating. Listen to him, the congressman from Wisconsin. The multi-trillion dollar question is, what changed in 48 hours? The genetic sequence of the virus didn't change. What did Fauci and Collins tell them? We know, based on notes, based on these calls, Collins in particular warned them not to write about the origin of the virus for fear that it would fuel conspiracy theories. And, of course, all of us drawing attention to the lab were called conspiracy theorists. Worse, we were called yeah. racist. It was racist yeah. against Asians to suggest this came from a lab in Wuhan. And racist to say China, the, the flights from China should come here, right? 
How big a deal is this, Dan? If you, you know, with your instincts and experience, is this is is this something that you're going to get see real traction with? If the Republicans take back the House, we will. Congressman Gallagher from Wisconsin's a very smart guy, he and uh, he would produce, I think, a extremely useful set of hearings on this. And the subject has to be brought up. What exactly was the National Institutes of Health doing back at the beginning? Uh, of this thing. You know, this is a traditionally a highly respected part of the government, but uh, the emails and such that have been released by uh, Fauci and Collins, I think are quite damning. And uh, certainly in the case of Dr. Collins, pretty disappointing. Uh, I had a higher opinion of him, but the idea that they had to suppress dissent somehow to defend science, which I think mainly in this case meant their own budgets and the way they uh, put out grants and so forth. You know, they had the phenomenon that Fox reported of uh, the dissenting scientists early on saying they didn't see how this could be a natural origin, changed their minds, and then got grants from the NIH. That looks terrible. And I think if you look under the rocks of the grant-making process at NIH, you're going to find a lot more uh, such activities as that. And really, I think the NIH, NIH and certainly the Centers for Disease Control have to be rethought. They have performed so poorly during this pandemic. And if the Republicans ever do get the majority and perhaps even control of the government again, those two institutions have to be changed and reformed from the I mean, bottom up. Dan, there's no talk about how under Joe Biden, more deaths by a wide margin than Donald Trump. And we didn't even have a vaccine when Trump took office and we didn't even know it was hitting us. We didn't even know the virus. They said it wasn't human to human transfer. They said there was there was no asymptomatic spread. I mean, he was Donald Trump's not a scientist and still the deaths double. I mean, were greater under Joe Biden. Nobody talks about that. Nobody talks about the fact that he never led in anything and let the scientists sit there without any psychologist or therapist or a child expert, a development expert by his side to say, you know, what is worth it here? You know, I got to pressure the, the unions to go along because I'm too concerned about the next generation. There was none of that ever done or developed. And he never pre-ordered the therapeutics like President Trump pre-ordered with warp speed. And then we find out through your newspaper, through... Uh, your columnist, uh, that turns out he was so against everything Trump that he derailed Operation Warp Speed. He no longer was willing to invest in these pharmaceutical companies to finance their experimenting to bring these therapeutics quickly to to market because he didn't want to do anything Trump was going to do. But it sums it up. Uh, it, it explains so much about the Democratic behavior. It's the famous phrase, Trump derangement syndrome. If Donald Trump did it, they had to do the opposite, no matter what Trump did. And the Democrats, for the whole four terms of four years of Trump's presidency, could never distinguish between Trump personally and Donald Trump's policies. It was a functioning government. They went to work every day and executed policies such as Operation Warp Speed, which was an extraordinary success. And to be so blinded, as the, the Democrats and Biden did, to come into office and reverse all of Trump's policies, including the deregulatory speed with which he brought uh, vaccines uh, to market through Operation Warp Speed, was irrational. It was insane, Brian. Uh, and, you know, the American people paid the price for that derangement that caused them to throw 
some of Trump's best policies over the side. I hear you. Uh, Dan, hopefully people, I know you got a powerful column. Hopefully there's some rational thinkers out there since we have no choice. Uh, because we got to get back to life as normal. I just feel so bad for these restaurants, these gym owners, uh, and and all these kids especially going to school, three-year-olds going to preschool with masks and crying about it, and I don't blame them. Dan, thank you. Great to be with you, Brian. Fingers crossed. I think we'll get there. I know. Uh, hopefully. Uh, 1-866-408-7669. When we come back, I'm going to take some of your calls and finish up this hour strong with, with On Your Mind. Whether you're watching on Fox Nation or listening on your local affiliate, I appreciate it. Don't move. Giving you everything you need to know. You're with Brian Kilmeade. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. If uh, President Trump runs for re-election, I believe he would defeat Joe Biden. And I don't want Kamala Harris to have the power as vice president to overturn that election. And I don't... That's the same thing that I concluded back in January of 2021. So Donald Trump was wrong. Well, as I said, I just don't think a vice president has that power because if the vice president has that power, Donald Trump would defeat Joe Biden in four years or two years, and then Kamala Harris can decide not to overturn the election. I don't want to wind up there. (laughs) So that's what they were focused on all weekend long. And that was opened up by the RNC who came out and said that was political discourse. And then Mike Pence, who made the speech, which I think he, I don't blame him for making, saying Donald Trump was wrong. Hey, Logan, you're watching on Fox Nation. Thank you for that. What's on your mind? Hey, Brian. Thanks for having me. Go ahead. Uh, so, so you're talking to a couple guests ago about Donald Trump. And, uh, you know, he keeps talking about 2020, and it just it really concerns me that, you know, he might get the nomination for the Republican Party, and he's going to continue to talk about that, and it could cost us in 2024. You know, I was watching him in his rally a couple weeks ago, in Arizona, and the first thing he comes out and starts talking about is the 2020 election, and it's almost cringeworthy that he keeps talking about it. You know, it was so bad. I mean, I had to turn it off. I couldn't watch it anymore, and I'm a huge Trump supporter. I uh, Listen, uh, I can't tell you. I was I was with one of his best friends, the same age, and he, saw, he called him up after, uh, two of them, and they don't, I don't, they did it to me separately. After that Arizona rally, not Texas, they said Texas was better. But after the Arizona rally, they called him up and said that was the worst speech you ever gave because nobody cares about your topics. You have to go. There is so much to talk about. They, they, it matters to you and I, Logan, right now about what's happened in the Ukraine, how China is just uh, forgetting about phase one, uh, how they're beginning to militarize everything around them about to take Taiwan back. What's happening here in this country with these spending programs and blowing up the filibuster and and judges and and what he's doing uh, in terms of blowing up warp speed and continuing these restrictions. That's what people want to talk about. It's not hard stuff. You can honestly say this is what I did to the border. This is what I was trying to do at the border. This is what I'm able to do since I left. Republicans have gained in Hispanic votes past almost where Bush was in 2000. I mean, there's so much legitimate things to talk about. And I, I, don't, I could not care less about party politics. I care about America. And right now, nobody cares about 2020. Nobody. And everything that he said and the challenges that he made should have been done before the election. And they did a recount in Arizona. And the recount showed no difference almost. And he came out and said it showed that they won Arizona. That's an outright lie. And please stop wasting our time with that because he's capable of doing so much more. Thanks for watching. Pamela, listen, WXJB in Brooksville. Florida, right around Tampa area. Hey, Pamela. Yes, and I totally, totally disagree with all that. 
Um, I cringe when I hear people say, let's forget about 2020. We can't forget about 2020. Well, what was wrong? What was wrong? 2020. Okay, what about this 2,000 mules that is coming out? And it's, there's a trailer of it right now. They're coming out a movie. They have video of them stuffing all the mailboxes all across the whole United States. There's so many things that were wrong in the election. They need to be fixed. There's so many people that— Well, really they are fixing it one by one in the states. There's things that are not reversible, and you don't send your vice president in to say reverse everything. With delegates, ghost delegates are not there. Just as upsetting it was in 2016 when Joe Biden, as vice president, had to gavel down all the crazy Democrats who kept yelling that Trump and Russia, Trump and Russia, finally Joe Biden had to gavel them down and just end it and, and certify. Live from the Fox News radio studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for being with us, everyone. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show, 1-866-408-7669. You know, we're coming to you from New York City, heard around the country, heard around the world. This has become the crime capital of of the country, uh, and it used to be the safest big city in the world. So things have certainly changed, and I want to see them change back. Uh, Brett Baer will be with us, chief political anchor for Fox News. I'll be doing his great fundraiser to benefit Children's Hospital on February 19th, uh, the All-Star Panel event. Jesse will be there. I'll be there. Shannon Bream will be there. Uh, Harris Faulkner, Dana Perino. It's going to be a blast. I hope to see everybody there. Uh, and uh, Byron York is standing by to talk about the weird world of CNN. Yes, they are imploding. Breaks my heart. Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. All anybody's talking about this weekend is this resolution rather than talking about the failures of the Biden administration. People are tired of hearing about the 2020 election from Donald Trump and from some who support him. And what they want to hear about is, what are the Republican solutions for 2022? No doubt about it. Uh, Pure politics, January 6th, gerrymandering, what it all means for 2022, as the GOP does the, the best they can to ruin a strong hand by focusing on, you just heard Chris Christie say it, the last election. Number two. We're seeing a massive military buildup. This is unlike anything I've seen since the American 2003 buildup before it launched the war in Iraq. Really dire intelligence assessments coming out. If there was a war, there could be 50,000 Ukrainians killed. Yeah, I mean, uh, where they came up with that number, I'm not sure, but it is serious. That's Richard Engel reporting right from the Ukrainian-Russian border. We'll talk about Ukraine, Russia, China, and the worst Olympic Games ever. It's in Beijing. We'll discuss it all and the drama along with the drumbeats of war. Number one. But we know who COVID kills. 75% of COVID deaths are people 65 and older. 98 to 99% are unvaccinated. Doesn't it make more sense to focus on helping the vulnerable stay safe and let the rest of us go back to living normal lives? Time for an outright revolt. More politicians who uh, who call to massively mask up our kids caught doing the absolute opposite in their life in front of the kids. This is a disdainful, hypocritical look at how not to handle an emergency situation. What they're making us do, they don't do because they know it's old theater. Joining me now is Byron York, chief political correspondent, Washington Examiner, Fox News contributor. Uh, and we want to talk about your last column 
But, Byron, I do also want to talk about what's happening with these mass mandates. New Jersey has lifted it. New York says we're going to look at vaccine rates before we lift it. We see uh, Scotland, the U.K., we see uh, Lithuania, Sweden, Norway, uh, just flat out lift all restrictions and get back to normal. What is it going to take for the politicians to realize we're there now? I think what's happening in those places is that the politicians are actually following the people. And uh, I know I see it uh, last two weekends. I've gone out quite a bit around Washington, D.C., uh, was out yesterday. And there are thousands of people out. They're living their lives. They're walking around. They're going to things. They're, they're eating out. They're in, in, by the way, they're eating inside restaurants, not just out in the cold. Uh, and they've gone back to living their lives. And so this is exactly what uh, Bill Maher was talking about. And there is still uh, a mass mandate in the District of Columbia, for example. And to go to a restaurant, you have to show not only proof of vaccination, but a, a photo ID, which you don't have to do to vote, by the way. Um, so that we, you still have these mandates. But despite that, people are all going out and living their lives. And, and Byron, it's, it's got to stop because the science, they're not even saying ignore the science because the people are getting restless. The science, and Johns Hopkins comes up with it, says natural immunity as good if not better than a vaccinated American. And then when they talk about uh, what good are the lockdowns and the mandates, they say almost nothing. So we come up with these studies. And how shocked are you that no one's even covering a Hopkins study? Yeah, the Hopkins study was quite interesting. Actually, uh, Hopkins kind of pulled away a little bit from it. But the idea that the, the lockdowns just didn't help they did enormous economic damage. We know that. Um, and and t- taking children out of schools has done enormous developmental damage uh, to those children. I mean, this is two years now. And so um, so that's, I mean, that's a big deal. But I'm telling you, people are just going out and starting to live their lives, at, no matter what all of these rules say. Right. Uh, And I thought this was telling. I'm just going to play this for you because I think this is where the journalism is. Cut five. Dr. Marty McCary. So we've got a small group of doctors making all the decisions in the United States. My sources tell me there's been a number of recent meetings among these like-minded doctors, Dr. Fauci and others, politically charged, aligned, think similarly. They've shut out other opinions. They've tried to talk about, should we end this and come out like the U.K. has? They decided against it. They've asked, should we recognize natural immunity? Their own experts were divided, and so they said, no, we should not. So, I mean, that's the story. Who are these people? Why is Joe Biden pretending to be a leader and letting them run this thing? Where's the child psychologist, the therapist, the economist in every one of those meetings that any leader would want a part of the conversation? Instead, this this 81-year-old guy is running our lives. This was the flaw in saying that you would always follow the science because science is divided about some of this. Various experts are divided about this. You have Dr. Fauci, you're right, 81 years old, should have gone uh, before coronavirus ever happened. Uh, and, And the other thing is when people take a public stand for something, it's hard for them to admit they were wrong or back down, or even if they weren't wrong, to admit that things have changed and they now need to change their position. That's as a human being, that's sometimes difficult to do, and it's having the worst sort of repercussions in our society right now. I want to go to your column. You said the real world of CNN. It's hard to have a worse week. 
Now, we've had our share of controversies here at Fox. Everybody knows it. They did movies about it. TV series, magazines. I never, I never saw anything like it, right? Nonstop. I'm like, wait a second, another book about this that I lived? It's totally inaccurate, by the way. I saw this column in the New York Times today about uh, Fox World. Almost everything about it, I know for a fact, is just not true about the premise of Donald Trump, Roger Ailes. I mean, we know, I know, I'm not going to bother, bother you with it. But you talk about CNN. MSNBC does not carry, cover it at all. This is another news network where the CEO fires himself because he was about to get fired. Where Chris Cuomo's lawyers, the, there's former, so a high-rated, highest for them, rated show, host, highest profile. He's trying to blow up the place and sue them for the money he says he is owed. And you watch their ratings drop 76%. And yet they, tell me the state of affairs as you see them. Well, I it, I just think it's incredibly weird. I, I wish I had a better insight into it, but but they're all a lot of the t- talent over there and others just seem to be having kind of a nervous breakdown at CNN over the firing of Jeff uh, Zucker, and they had this this uh, meeting in the Washington D.C. bureau with the head of uh, Warner Media who had done the firing, and it was very emotional. And they were all standing up, and they were so afraid that that uh, without Jeff they'd be directionless and that they, that they just wouldn't know what to do and they, they needed that leadership and he was such a great leader. And you listen to all that and then you think, but he was running CNN into the, the ground. ground. Into the, the ground. ground. Now listen to this. Listen to this. Mediaite article just happened a few days before Zucker got fired. CNN over the last – this year over last year was down 74 percent in total viewers in the daytime and 77 percent in total viewers during prime time. They managed to run off three-quarters of their audience in the course of a year. How could they not have a management change after something like that? Great point. And the other thing is they sacrifice any integrity they had because it was a personal vendetta against Donald Trump who declared war on them and Jeff Zucker. So they, he, Jeff Zucker used that place, in my humble opinion, to try to even the score against Donald Trump. Well, there's so many embarrassing things that they did in the whole Trump-Russia matter. First of all, you know, they took a lot of criticism from the left for giving Trump too much airtime in the 2016 campaign. Yep. And, and they did. There's this famous screenshot, you know, they, they took a shot of an empty podium, like breaking news, waiting for Trump to speak. So they take a lot of flack from the left for that. But then when tr- Trump becomes president, uh, they absolutely disgrace themselves with their coverage of the Trump-Russia collusion theory. And remember, they were, the, they were a major player uh, in the role to get the dossier uh, out into the public. Uh, they made serious errors that they never corrected. And I was just thinking, now that Michael Avenatti has been convicted now in a second trial, they were the major offender in turning Michael Avenatti into a star, even speculating about him running for president as a serious proposition. Uh, so they really kind of embarrassed themselves over and over and over. Meanwhile, the audience was shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. So, uh, so Byron, the other thing to keep in mind, too, is uh, Jeff Zucker was caught on tape coaching Donald Trump in for a debate, telling him what to do and what not to do and what to say and what not to say before a debate. So, I mean, how does that look? And I'm wondering if there's some coaching going on, if that's going to come to the fruition that he was coaching Andrew Cuomo uh, to had a message 
And so if he is firing Chris Cuomo for consulting his brother, maybe Chris Cuomo says, wait a second, you were doing more coaching than I was doing. <laughs> well, I certainly feel if there's stuff like that, uh, Chris Cuomo will make sure that it gets out. Um, uh, apparently, you know, there have been reports about this emotional meeting that was in the District uh, of Columbia Bureau here, um, that Jake Tapper, the anchor, uh, stood up and said, you know, Chris Cuomo was basically blackmailing the uh, the company to get uh, all of his contract pay, and he'd blow up the place if he couldn't, so now he's blowing it up. So I feel that we're there's going to be a lot more revelations about this. Uh, I can't Listen, I'm I'm not an insider. I don't know exactly why he was fired. What it was, it was totally the stated reason. Was there more? Uh, in any event, the Cuomo thing certainly needs to be reported out, not only what Chris Cuomo did, but what the top management of CNN did as well. Byron, I know I'm looking from the inside out. I get it. But I, I still am friendly with a lot of people on the outside, and I talk to everybody. Um, the thing about Fox is we do have differing opinions. Uh, you could say lean one way or leans the other way. I get it. We have also interesting people, and I will tell you, you walk Washington, I walk New York. You don't have a lot of big egos around here. There's not a people said, I walk on water, don't make eye contact. That's not a lot of that. And then you find out they do a poll, and 42% of Democrats watch us. So let me ask you something. If we only think one way and we're only playing one song, why does that number fly in the face of that? Well, there's two reasons. First of all, it's just, it was never true. And we've had research in the past that showed that uh, more Democrats watched Fox News than Republicans watched CNN. Fox has always had a diverse audience, and it was always a mischaracterization to say otherwise. And the other thing is, you know, look, I'm a Fox News contributor. You're on the air there. I get it. So um, they sim- Fox has always simply done television better uh, than the competition. That's something that's not spoken about enough. So much discussion of cable news and Fox is done in terms of political uh, positions. They're saying this or they're saying that. They're supporting this person. They're opposing that person. But television is also a craft, and Roger Ailes did it extremely well, and he created uh, the system at Fox, which continues to do it extremely well. That's something that's really important when you want to get viewers. Exactly, and I think it evolved with this management team uh, to an nth degree to, you know, ups and downs. But now it's never been more up in a time in which they say everybody's on, uh, you know, everyone's unplugging cable. Uh, they're still streaming and they're still watching, and that number was forty-two percent, twenty-five to fifty-four. So it actually bodes positive for our future, because I think the mostly our viewer, in my humble opinion, is pro-America, and when you are. When you're saying, well, okay, how does that go into politics? Well, okay, I'm against crime. I'm against spending nine tri- uh, $1.9 trillion of money we don't have with a pandemic that we've already addressed to the tune of $4 trillion. In terms of uh, our, our defense, we'd want strong defense for our own country. There's a lot of these issues don't take a lot of nuance. So I think it just it, I think it plays into what Fox is. But, Byron, great column as usual, the real world of CNN. It should be another uh, less than exciting week for them. Great to talk to you, Brian. Go get him. Uh, when we come back, I'll take your calls. One eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. I know, especially on a Monday, you have a lot to say. You've been talking over the weekend. You've been listening and watching. Now's the time to vent. 
I'm here for you. And then Brett Baer at the bottom of the hour. And also, thanks to everyone that watched over the weekend. One Nation on at 8 o'clock on Saturday. Appreciate everyone tuning in at 8 and 11. Brian Kilmeade Show. Disagree with Brian? Call now and tell him why. Can somebody attack me, please? 866-408-7669. It's Brian Kilmeade. Radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. I want it to be clear. There, there is no U.S. combat role in Ukraine. There isn't going to be one. Right. I don't know of anyone who supports it, not even the Ukrainians. That said, I think that Vladimir Putin has to pay a high price if he does this. Not just for him to pay the price, but for other countries to see the high price of doing that kind of thing and other leaders. And I think that price should be, A, his economy should be crippled and hurt badly. That will require unity, not just from the Europeans, but other countries around the world. But beginning with the Europeans, if they're not going to impose those sanctions and stick with them, then then over, over time he will be able to blunt it. Yeah, that is Marco Rubio talking about the Ukraine. I'm going to bring that up with... The latest with Brett Baer in a matter of moments. But right now, let's go out to Mark in Florida. Hey, Mark. Hey, Brian. Good morning. Hey, good morning. What's on your mind? You think that Trump's got to move on from 2020, right? Well, uh, let me just clarify here. Uh, To be honest with you, Brian, I mean, this thing about 2020, uh, it's a no-brainer. We all know it was stolen, all right? And I don't know why you guys keep talking about saying that we got to forget that. We can't have that kind of corruption in America, brother. Well, where where was it stolen, though? Where was it? Like, where specifically? We were stolen, buddy. Everything was stolen. But, Mark, you, know, but Mark, you can't just say it. You have to show it. The president's got a ton of money, had a ton of lawyers. They all threw up their hands. The recount's not adding up. So if it was stolen, it is is so they did such a good job. No one's revealed how they did it yet. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. You know why? Because there's a lot of people that were bought. That's why the state legislators don't want to tell the truth. That's why they certified fake votes. That's why Biden's in office. And now we have this ridiculous guy that can't even manage a, a kid's crosswalk in front of a school as our president. We know oh. it was stolen. So we got to cut the crap out and be. I don't. I, don't, I, I can't just say. I will say the lenient way in which we handled the pandemic and the shutdown played to Joe Biden's advantage. The way in which we they did not have the Republicans had no offensive when the legislature did not go ahead and try to stop the governor of Pennsylvania and these other rules and the drop boxes are plenty all over Georgia. But they have to do it. Mark in Florida can't rein in the Georgia election rules or Pennsylvania or Wisconsin. The Republicans given a ton of money to guard against that. Their after-action approach was knocked down by every court. Game over. Go back and do it right and win like Andrew Jackson did. Breaking news. Unique opinions. Hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade Show. We've worked very closely with the German government. As you know, the new chancellor in Germany used to be the finance ministry. Um, where I spent a great deal of time talking to his colleagues and the Germans have worked with us closely in terms of building the sanctions package we would implement if Russia were to take these actions. They've helped produce ideas that are part of the things that we would implement to that point. What I can say about Nord Stream 2 is that if Russia were to invade Ukraine, Nord Stream 2 would never go online. So that was the Deputy Treasury Secretary, and I thought he was very effective yesterday, and I thought he was very direct in saying some of the sanctions, making it seem as though the sanctions would be so stiff the Russians might actually not invade. But he says he's been working hard, uh, thanks to the president giving the ability to do it, to go ahead and uh, come up with some sanctions that have captured 
Russia's attention. We'll see. Uh, it looks like Russia is building up at a dizzying pace. Where it is, 70% of the troops they need for an invasion are online. Uh, with me right now, on the line, Brett Baer, Chief Political Analyst for Fox News, anchor of Special Report, uh, weeknights at 6 o'clock, author of To Rescue the Republic. Hey, Brett, welcome back. Hey, Brett. So it seems like we, we've been talking about Ukraine now for the last six weeks as something could happen imminent, imminently. Where do you think we're at now? I think uh, it waits until the end of the Olympics, and um, it, I mean, everything points to the direction of Russia going in. Um, at least there just doesn't seem to be any hesitation uh, with the buildup of troops there. Uh, we don't know how these talks are going to go with Emmanuel Macron, the French president, in Moscow today, um, and there are other talks in, in Ukraine. Um, and so... I think, but it's closing. The window's closing. Ground's got to get hard. Then they roll in. And the question is, will they roll in hard and stay and uh, be subjected to some type of guerrilla war or uh, or move on? Jake Sullivan was on every show yesterday. How do you feel about this old preemptive strike? Let me tell you about a false flag operation. Let me tell you about actors. Russian actors are going to pretend to be all bloody and dead and make it seem like Russia has to retaliate. How how unique is it in your experience for the State Department to come out and 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 predict what Russia is going to do by saying that they're glad they're declassifying intelligence? Yeah, I think it's pretty unique, and it goes to the lengths they're trying to go to make sure that the world knows that you know Russia is the bad actor. Um, I'm not sure, you know, on the diplomatic front how that moves the ball, but uh, they've chosen to do it, and it is unique to hear kind of that before it happens. Yeah, here is a, there's a couple of things going on. Uh, I guess you could say that there's a buildup there. I think they have a bunch of battalions. Seventy percent of their forces are in place. The Ukrainians are sitting there practicing with wood rifles. What embarrassment, Brett. How we, can we get them enough guns? They don't have to play, uh, uh, play war in, the, in their backwoods? Yeah, they've, you know, they've been funneling some weapons in there, but it's not, you know, it's just not a ton. And they're not, you know, the best trained army, but they are a different army than they were. And um, for the senators who went over in a Codel and they came back, all of them saying that the Ukrainians are ready to fight this time, which could get really bloody if um, on both sides, really. General H.R. McMaster, former National Security Advisor to President Trump, was on with Margaret Brennan of Face the Nation. Cut 23. General, uh, the Trump administration back in 2018 was the first to give lethal aid to Ukraine, those anti-tank uh, systems. It didn't deter Vladimir Putin from what appears to be a plan to invade. Why not? Well, it, it, who knows what it deterred, Mark? It's hard, to, to, it's hard to prove a negative. Of course, Russia will push, Putin will push, until he meets strong resistance. And so what we really need and what you're starting to see, I think, is deterrence by denial convincing Putin that he can no longer accomplish his objectives through the use of force. And, and so if, he, if, he, if his objective is to divide NATO, what he needs to see is a NATO who comes together uh, with, with a stronger and higher degree of unity. If he, wants to, uh, if he wants to weaken Ukraine and keep it under its thumb, he's going to see, obviously, a rise of nationalist sentiment in, in Ukraine. And the Ukrainians doing everything they can to strengthen themselves, not only militarily, but also economically. And what I'd like to do is see the whole world amplify the Ukrainians' voices and actually support them militarily, but also economically as well. And, 
you know, Margaret, I think what you see uh, this past week, some anxiety on the part of Ukrainian leaders, because as Russia continues to prepare for what looks like a renewed massive offensive against Ukraine, it's important to remember, they already invaded Ukraine. So, uh, yeah, they're in the Donbass region. They took Crimea, and there was really no hell to pay with that, certainly not to get their attention. And everyone saw Vladimir Putin and President Xi at the Olympics. Uh, so the people see that they'll, that'll be a force. So we'll see where, the, where that goes. Any thoughts here on what your sources are telling you about when something could take place? And if something did take place, where does NATO go from there? Have you heard anything about intimidating sanctions? Is this something that they haven't seen before? Yeah, I mean, there are, the holdup is uh, Germany, or it has been, um, although they're saying the right things now. I will note that the U.S. officials are the ones saying that Nord Stream 2 would not go forward if Russia goes in. I had the German ambassador on and asked that specific question. She said that would be an option. You know, so it's not as definitive as, as Treasury or State are saying uh, to me from the German side. And that's part of the deal is, is they have to get on the same page to stand up to Putin. So this uh, this uh, stood out over the weekend, how everybody was talking more about Republicans in 2020 and that Donald Trump might have had a defector from his side in Mike Pence. When he came out, Donald Trump was wrong. I could not do anything about the election on January 6th. Matthew Continenti, who you've had on a lot from the Washington uh, uh, from the Examiner. Washington yeah, Examiner, and he was on. Meet the press yesterday and said this about the Republicans. Cut 32. The Democratic ads write themselves. I mean, you can just see it from this program. You contrast that statement with the video from January 6th. There's your attack ad. I think the Republicans believe every minute they spend talking about 2020, January January 6th, is an opportunity lost. You heard it from Mark Short. They want to talk about inflation. They want to talk about masks. They want to talk about the border. Unfortunately, the person who's making them look in the rearview mirror is President Trump, and he wants to force the issue, I think, to the detriment of the Republican Party. And I would say to his own detriment, too. People forget Trump had a forward-looking agenda when he ran for president in 2016. All he cares about now is revenge. Can you challenge him on any of those statements? I, just by what is being said, I, I can't. I think he's smart as far as the inside politics. I don't think it's... Um, Shocker that there's a large portion of the Republican Party who believes that every time the GOP talks about 2020 extensively, um, they go backwards. There are so many different possibilities to attack Democrats on for Republicans. Um, Going back and relitigating 2020 is not a winning formula. Chris Christie has said the same thing. Others have said the same thing. And I think. Eventually, you're going to get to the point where the party stands up and says something similar. Uh, and finally, Brett, have you picked your panel today? Well, I'm going to have Brett Hume on, uh, and I am going to have – I think I have Harold Ford, Molly Hemingway, and Byron York. I think that's who I have. I also have Nikki Haley on uh, after the um, the stuff overseas, and we'll – want to talk about China and Russia as well. Absolutely. It's going to be great. And uh, your All-Star Panel event is getting closer and closer. It's coming up February 19th. You guys are sold out. But if people want to get to the Children's Hospital, they could still do that, right? Yes. AllStarPanelEvent.com. AllStarPanelEvent.com. You can donate. Uh, we're going to stream uh, the things. So you can watch there. It, it, it's going to be great. Is it going to be on Fox Nation? We'd like it to be. Do you have contacts there? Listen, I'm going to use all my power at Fox because I'm here full time now. 
I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to get that streamed. I'm gonna see what I could do. They owe me That'd a favor. All right. Oh, oh, wait a second. Are you getting ready to play at Pebble Beach? Are you playing? I just finished. I just finished. Yeah, I just played um, and didn't make the cut, but it was a fantastic, fantastic week. I played with Grayson Murray, who's a young pro, but um, we missed it by a few shots. But I, sunshine was awesome. It must be. I wonder what that's like. I haven't seen sunshine <laughs> in quite some time. Oh, about yeah. to. Brad, thanks so much. Appreciate it. RC, Brad. One eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. We find out uh, what's on your mind and if there's more to know. Educating, entertaining, enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. I think what governors are agitating for is some clear guideposts that define what the on and off ramp is for this. When do we start to roll back this mitigation? And we don't have a agreed-upon set of nomenclature and metrics for measuring that. If you look at CDC right now, many state authorities and public health authorities talk about 10 cases per 100,000 people per day being a metric that rates you being in sort of a low level of spread. If you look at CDC's guidance, they talk about 10 cases per 100,000 people per week. So that's 1.44 cases a day. That's a level of spread, a sufficiently low level of spread that we've never been at at any point in this pandemic. And that's where CDC defines a low level of spread that would justify removing masks, for example, in schools. And so I think what governors are sensing is that we need to we need to agree upon a set of metrics when we're going to start to roll back these mitigation steps uh, and give people a light at the end of the tunnel. What is that point when this stuff gets turned off? Yeah, I'd like to see that light now. Uh, Eric, listen on WDBO. Hey, Eric. Hey, Brian. Uh, on the masks real quick, I think they like the masks. Call me crazy, but they stop uh, FBI facial recognition so less people get arrested. But uh, it seems like everything that works, they don't want. Hydroxychloroquine might not have been the answer for everybody. It worked. They banned it. Ivermectin may not be the answer for everybody, but they banned it. Now, here in Florida, we had great success with the monochromal uh, antibodies. FDA just told uh, DeSantis down here, you can't do that. It's not approved. So... What's going on, Brian? What's your take on all this? Well, what I what I think is they totally blew it. The Operation Warp Speed, they were so against it uh, that they were said everything Donald Trump. They say we're not going to give any money to these pharmaceutical big pharma. So if you're going to come up, Merck, with a therapeutic, pay for it yourself. If you're going to come up, Pfizer, with a therapeutic, pay for yourself. They said, okay, really? Fine. I'll do the experiment, minimal cost. And then when it works, you're going to have to buy it. And there's going to be a huge ramp up time. Doesn't matter. Because they were more focused on the vaccine, in my humble opinion. When they finally get it in October, November, they said, okay, we'll order it. Okay. How many are you going to order? 10 million. 10 million. We have 330 million people in this country. Then they order another 20 million. So we're not going to get it to the spring. That, to me, is sinful. It's vengeful. And people will die because of it. If Trump did something like that, they would have been flipping out. Thanks so much. It makes me wonder if there's even more to know. More to know. Well, I've just got to give you an idea of how civil politics once was. You know how the Bushes got along with the Clintons? Well, Hillary never really got along, but at least Bill got along with George H.W. and George W. Turns out that George H.W. was great friends with Gerald Ford. You talk about thoughtful. A, a, this came from the Ford Library. A letter in 1996 to Jerry. Just talking about how H.W. was so, so thankful for their friendship. 
said, Bob Dole lost, but they better than everyone thought. I know what it's like to lose. He must be in a lot of pain. I can imagine what you were like and how much you wanted to win and how you barely lost and how much pain you're in. But I just want to say what a great friend you are. I mean, people should take a lesson from the Bush family. Uh, they really get it in terms of class. Next, 55% of high schoolers, this does not surprise me because I have two kids in college. 55% do not think college is needed for a successful career. They took a survey of 2,000 American students they found in high school, and they found that a third of the respondents have no post-graduation plans. 82% agree the most important thing to do is to do something they're passionate about, regardless of where their career is. 7 in 10 believe it's important to have a job immediately after graduating. Over half of students surveyed believe that college is not a requirement for success. I mean, look at Bill Gates, never graduated. Look at... Uh, uh, look at Steve Jobs, never graduated. I'm pretty sure they are okay, but they happen to be geniuses. Yeah. I do not find that surprising. I got two things. One is this will be a great thing when Mike Rowe comes on in a, in a couple of days on the show. The other thing is, so now your, your, your daughter's friends, are you seeing less of them going to college? Well, no, they're going, but they just feel less passionate about it. There's something about those year in high school, the last year in high school, that sucked the life and momentum out of them. And they're like, is it really necessary to be doing all this? I think the pandemic. And a lot of them, yeah, a lot of them want to make money. A lot yeah. of them are tired of being impoverished, you know, which happens with every teenager. Uh, next, survey: two and three Gen Z workers will leave their jobs within one year. The poll of 1,200 full-time employees, commissioned by Lever and conducted by Pollfish, two and five say they only plan to stay in their current job for a year or less. However, a staggering 65% of Gen Zers are planning to do this. It's not all bad news, though. As long as they're willing to pay up, the survey finds the biggest motivating factor, which gets workers to stay, are salary or potential bonuses. That's 46%. 21% say opportunities for internal mobility. So uh, that's pretty good. I mean, they're money-oriented. It's a capitalist society, I hope, still. Yeah, and, you know, interesting one thing. It also says one in three, though, claim they would actually take a pay cut just so they can change positions, I guess, to freshen things up. Well, yeah, I mean, people are tired of being bored. Next. Mothers-to-be who want their kids to get good grades in school should take fish oil while pregnant. That, according to fish oil people, I imagine, omega-3 fatty acids. Other results demonstrate that the quality of maternal nutrients supplied during that period of time uh, help brain development. Well, listen, if you're pregnant and listening, and that's the most of our audience, please take it. It's worth a shot. I don't think you'll regret it. Next. Humans feel more comfortable talking to female robots, according to a study of 170 people. People have a tendency to feel more comfortable in being cared for by females, even if they don't exist, apparently. So, um, an assistant professor of hospitality management at WSU's Carson Business College and University released this study that gender stereotype appears to transfer to robot interactions. During the new study, participants encountered four different scenarios involving uh, AI service robots at a hotel. In one situation, a male ball brought with a human-like face named Alex greeted participants. Other one named Sarah. Better idea and much more better, uh, much better interaction with Sarah. It's a, it's more soothing. I mean, I, even on the phone, if you deal with the automated voices, I find myself getting less angry when it's a female voice on the phone. Next, sports top NFL rivalries. The number. I'll, I'll start with. The least. I'll start with the number one rivalry in the NFL. No doubt about it. Green Bay against Chicago. I don't feel it, but I see it. I mean, I don't care who wins those games, but I see it. Another one is Giants-Cowboys. They're not both good at the same time. they no. got to be good. Next one is Eagles-Giants. Yeah, that that is a bigger rivalry, I think, than the Cowboys. Yeah. 
Eagles, Cowboys, a lot of Cowboys, Chicago Giants, that's not true. The I don't Ch- know. Yeah, the Chicago Giants thing, they don't play every year either. That's another, especially in the NFL, if you, sometimes you don't play every right. three or four years. In baseball, the biggest rivalry, Red Sox, Yankees, Cubs, Sox is number two. Uh, the number three is uh, Dodgers Giants. I, I agree that with I all these. I can see that. That goes back to the New York days, too. And then number four is St. Louis against Chicago. When it comes to the NBA, Lakers, Celtics, know that about it. They haven't clashed in quite a few years. Uh, Clippers, Lakers is number two. Number three is uh, Celtics against the Nets. the Nets. And that's higher than the Knicks versus the Celtics, I guess, because it's re- in recent years the Nets have been the better team. Right. Uh, and that's a quick look at what's happening. Now you know more. Now you know more. Thanks to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Don't forget, we, we got the, uh, the show on Saturday night at 8 o'clock. And if you want to get the President of Freedom Fighter on Black History uh, Month, that's what it is right now, uh, go pick it up. Frederick Douglass, Abraham Lincoln, their battle to save America's soul. Just go to briankilmeade.com and order straight through. All my other books I'll personalize, too, from my office. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.